The Property Bulletin by London Property, the home of Superprime. Foxton's shares have soared over the last year as investor optimism finally returns to the estate agent due to a booming rental business. Shares in the FTSE all-share company have risen almost 50% in the last 12 months after being supercharged by increased demand and higher rents, which helped drive steady profit growth. And with shares still well below their pre-COVID peak, Foxton's could be a must-hold stock in 2024, if momentum can withstand a looming change in monetary policy. Foxton's was founded in 1981 by the then 28-year-old John Hunt, who has since become a billionaire. In London, it became known for the yellow and green Mini Cooper branded cars that were given to agents in which they whizzed around the capital on sightseeing trips. The group, which first listed on the London Stock Exchange in September 2013, has been in the red for four years after posting losses every year from 2017 to 2021. But Foxton's has bounced back with two years of profits in a row and is by far the fastest growing British estate agent, according to 20CI. The London-based company has largely benefited from its rental business, The British capital has the highest rental prices in the country, which have risen enormously since 2021. This is partly because landlords, whose mortgage payments have skyrocketed, have passed the extra costs on to their tenants. Higher rents mean more commission for the agents, and the company also receives interest on the rental deposits it holds. Data from the Office for National Statistics shows average rental prices in London rose by 6.9% in the 12 months to November 2023. In addition to a strong 28% jump in sales year-on-year, Foxton's achieved a 36% increase in market share in the rental sector last year. As a result, the group's rental business recorded sales of over £100 million for the first time last year, helping to offset a slump in house sales. Sarah Coles, head of personal finance at Hargreaves Lansdowne, said, Foxton's derives most of its income from rentals, and massive increases in private rents have boosted profits. The RICS survey shows that rents are expected to continue to rise, albeit more slowly, as private landlords continue to exit the market, so there may be further growth in rental income. Victoria Scholar, head of investment at Interactive Investor, added, Foxton's has benefited from the rise in rental costs, as rising mortgage rates discourage many individuals and families from purchasing a property and instead turn to the rental market, which accounts for around 70% of its group sales. Extremely high rents are a result of the UK's severe shortage of affordable housing, and pressure on renters has recently increased as landlords pass on the costs of rising mortgage rates. Foxton's one-year share price performance is impressive, but the shares remain around 40% below their peak of 94.2p in February 2020. Future cuts to the Bank of England's key interest rate could also lead to tougher trading conditions for its fast-growing rental business. Analysts at Peel Hunt raised their price target on Foxton's to 50p last month to reflect their improved performance, but this still points to a forecast of an impending decline. The broker warned, We are aware of the growing share of profits from interest on tenant deposits and their potential volatility as interest rates fall. We therefore maintain our hold rating. In fact, Foxton's earned around £5 million in interest of this kind last year. Its total adjusted operating profit was £14 million. Britain's private rental sector may be sparking a nationwide mental health crisis, a shocking new survey claimed today. According to the research conducted by London Renters Union, LRU, one in three renters feel that private renting is negatively affecting their mental health. Three in five renters say they feel depressed when thinking about paying their rent, while 69% said it fills them with anxiety. The crisis comes at a time when rents are at record highs. Data released by rental website Rightmove last month found that the average London rent had reached a new high of £2,631. The average advertised rent outside London rose to a record £1,280, 9.2% higher than a year ago. LRU member Becca Hess-Clark said, 
I've never managed to stay longer than 18 months in a single home because the landlord has always raised the rent or there's been a problem with the property. I've never had the chance to get to know my neighbours properly and I'm sick of the endless house hunting on Zoopla. Moving house can cost upwards of £1,000 and the emotional impact of doing this process is immense. Over the years, it's interfered with my relationships, work and my general well-being. I feel like I'm trapped in a cycle of insecurity and the government is doing nothing to stop it. More than two-thirds of mortgage-free landlords raised their rents in the last year, despite being unaffected by interest rate rises, according to research by homeless charity Shelter. Despite rising interest rates preventing many from getting on the property ladder, research from the mortgage lender found that 25% of buy-to-let landlords have added another property in the past 12 months to their portfolio, and a further 27% added multiple properties. A spokesman for the LRU said, Insecurity from rising rents and the threat of unfair eviction hangs heavy over the heads of all renters, especially those living in areas like London. A housing system run primarily for private profit is failing to meet our basic needs. We need the government to follow the lead of cities across Europe and act now to control rising rents and to take the pressure off millions of struggling renters. House prices in the prime London market have fallen year on year and are now back at 2014 levels, according to new data from Lundres. Figures from the property consultancy showed house prices in prime London are now 2.5% below their pre-pandemic level, having fallen by 7.1% annually. Activity in the prime London sales market is up, however. The number of properties put on the market in January and the number of properties under offer grew by 4.2% and 5.4% respectively last month. Sentiment appears to be gradually improving for the prime London sales market, head of research at Lundres, Nick Gregory, said. Activity in the market for houses worth more than £5 million has seen the biggest pickup in activity, with listings up 50% compared to 2019 levels. Higher for longer London rents and bumped up property prices leave Foxtons optimistic for 2024. Lundres was less optimistic about the rental market, however. It recorded a 60% drop in the number of properties for let, compared to the pre-pandemic average. Rents may have peaked in late 2023, with further growth unlikely in the short term, Available stock is growing, particularly at weekly rents above £1,000, Gregory said. There is a discrepancy between areas of London, with the value of ultra-central properties growing more slowly than anywhere else. House prices in South Kensington and Chelsea have dipped by 2.5% and 0.9% respectively in the last 10 years. Property prices in Mayfair and St James's have risen by nearly a fifth since 2014, the only central prime London area to show significant growth. This is likely due to a new supply of high-end developments concentrated in Mayfair and St James's, according to Lundres. Fitzrovia, Bloomsbury and Soho saw the highest value growth in the last decade, at nearly a third. Areas outside central London grew by an average of 18.6%. Rents across London as a whole, including prime London, grew by 6.7% in January, according to data from the Office of National Statistics. The commercial real estate, CRE market, faces mounting challenges as assets risk becoming stranded due to new carbon dioxide CO2 rules. Real estate companies are grappling with the devaluation of assets as evolving European regulations push investors and bankers to divest from buildings with high carbon footprints. Neil Menzies, Director of Sustainability at Hibernia Real Estate Group Limited, warns of the increasing risk of stranded assets, exacerbated by legislative mandates. Commercial real estate values have already plummeted due to higher interest rates and lower occupancy levels, and now face additional pressure from the need for extensive renovations to comply with new energy efficiency standards across Europe. Menzies predicts a significant decline in the value of unsustainable buildings with high energy usage over the next year. The European Union aims to reduce building emissions by 60% by 2030 and achieve complete decarbonisation by 2050. 
The term stranded assets refers to properties that suffer from unanticipated devaluations or become liabilities due to factors like energy inefficiency or uninsurability. Regulatory changes, such as the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation and the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, are forcing investors to consider the carbon footprint of real estate investments. Hibernia Real Estate Group focuses on refurbishing old buildings and developing new ones to achieve net-zero carbon and climate resilience by 2030. Menzies emphasizes the importance of demonstrating real-time performance improvements to attract investor and lender interest amidst evolving sustainability requirements. At London Property, we are proud to have collaborated with Basil Demarutis to offer a sustainability audit. Please email us at ask at londonproperty.co.uk for further information and to listen to the full conversation with Basil about the commercial real estate market. Catherine McBride highlights the broader economic repercussions of Britain's stamp duty system beyond its impact on the housing market. She questions the government's decision to exempt first-time buyers while imposing this tax on subsequent home purchases, suggesting it discourages mobility and family formation. McBride argues that stamp duty on family homes, particularly in London and the South East, hampers economic growth by deterring property investment and exacerbating demographic challenges. She points out that the exorbitant sums generated through residential stamp duty land tax with London and the Southeast property owners disproportionately contributing to these revenues. Moreover, McBride critiques the evolution of stamp duty from a nominal registration fee to a revenue-generating mechanism, emphasizing the need for a comprehensive reform. She scrutinizes the successive rate increases and surcharges implemented over the years, asserting that these measures stifle property ownership and investment. In addition to her critique of stamp duty on property transactions, McBride addresses the equally contentious issue of stamp duty on share transactions, She argues that this tax discourages investment in company ownership, undermining economic growth and corporate governance. Ultimately, McBride advocates for a recalibration of stamp duty policies to align with broader economic objectives. By reducing burdensome levies on primary residences and share transactions, she contends that the government can stimulate investment, encourage economic growth and foster a more prosperous future for all. In a flat in northwest London, a double bed is slowly being lowered to the floor via a pulley, like a sail on a ship. Moments ago, it had been suspended ten feet in the air. It occupies roughly a quarter of the floor space, turning what was previously a small living room into a small bedroom. A few feet away is the kitchen, an equally cramped affair with dark worktops. The decor evokes a hotel with herringbone wood floors, floor-to-ceiling windows and beige throws. Welcome to the future of homes, where renters pay through the nose to co-live in tiny apartments, sharing communal space and joining a ready-made community. The studios are a triumph of space economy. The flat has more storage than a standard two-bedroom flat, and it's all hidden within the walls, just as well as a space this precariously organised would suddenly feel very small in the presence of even the slightest bit of clutter. Pillars give it the illusion of a segmented kitchen and living space. The bathroom is the only part of the flat separated by a door. These apartments are the brainchild of property mogul Ali Ravanshad, His company, Dandy, purchased the dilapidated block of flats in Maida Vale for around £16.8 million and spent roughly the same amount on renovations. Ravanshad returns the bed to the ceiling. As he pulls a table out from the wall, he gestures upwards. The underside of the bed doubles as a ceiling light. In fact, it's a sad lamp for seasonal affective disorder, which emits light more similar to sun rays than typical lamps and is supposedly better at waking you up on dark winter mornings. The entire building is full of touches like this, On the way in, I'm told, the scent of sandalwood and jade green walls has set me at ease without me even knowing it. We've tapped into you subconsciously, Ravanshad tells me in the communal area, as chilled lo-fi music plays in the background. The remaining 160 flats in the building are yet to be advertised, but 45 have already been let, mostly to 30 to 35-year-olds. 
The setup is similar to a high-end retirement home, just for rich millennials between phases in life. A communal area on the ground floor offers a constant supply of free coffee, and there is a brunch once a month. There is a gym on the roof where residents can take Pilates classes. The communal area is set up like a WeWork. Ravanchat says residents are drawn to this kind of co-living by the promise of community. Several have become lifelong friends and holiday together, and others have found the common room's fertile networking ground. But this doesn't come cheap. It costs at least eighteen hundred a month, plus around two hundred in utilities. London's rental market is shrinking at an alarming rate as buy-to-let landlords throttled by soaring mortgage rates, the withdrawal of tax relief, and the costs of insulating older properties flee the market. The ever-widening gap between supply and demand has translated into higher monthly payments as the remaining landlords jack up rents to cover their mortgages. Data from flat-sharing platform Spareroom found the average rent for a single room in London was one thousand and seventy-four pounds. Ravenshad describes the process of setting these buildings up in almost philanthropic terms. He despairs at the plummeting quality of London's housing stock at the hands of complacent landlords. Nonetheless, Dandy is similarly at the mercy of interest rates. If they go up, rent has to go up. Ravenshad says, "It's hard to tell whether communal living arrangements like Dandy's are a solution to the rental crisis or a symptom of it." The apartments are for rent only, and tenants cannot change their energy supplier. Instead, paying business rates for their power use, meaning they are not protected by the energy price cap. We have seven of these in London, but we aim to have seventy, says Ravenshard. But he admits that Dandy's tenants rarely rent there for more than a few years. The customer base is transient: entrepreneurs, tech workers, moneyed international students, and curiously but overwhelmingly, the recently divorced. The first guy who moved in here was a forty-five-year-old, and he'd had an argument with his husband. Left his flat to him and was eventually brought here. Recalls Ravenshad. After two hours, he got emotional and started to cry. He loved it here. Subscribe to our newsletter to receive our weekly bulletins and stay ahead of what's shaping the super prime property market.